Welcome to Season 3 of the Unscripted Medicine Podcast, a podcast by medical students who live and learn at the University of Cincinnati College of Medicine. On the show, we host a variety of discussions such as navigating the preclinical and clinical years, exploring humanism in medicine, and developing our physician identities outside of the textbook. Check out the show notes or our website for more information, helpful links, resources, and more. Please connect with us via email or on Twitter at unscripted underscore med. We would love to hear from you. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome back to the Unscripted Medicine Podcast. My name is Molly Carroll, and for those of you who don't know me, I'm just about finishing up my M1 year here at UCOM. Today's episode is definitely a special one. I'm joined by one of the most optimistic, kind-hearted people I know, and someone you all have gotten to hear quite a bit from over the last few years, Mason Yoder. Hi, Mason. Hi, everybody. How's it going? So we are here today to kind of talk about all the pearls that Mason has learned throughout his time here at UCOM, um, and I'd love to start with a little fun fact. All right. Yeah, everybody. So I'm here to share my treasure trove um, or elderly grandma's drawer of pearls with y'all today. Um, and I guess a fun fact about myself that maybe some people know, but maybe some people don't, is before medical school, I was really into theater. And I actually trained as a mime in a mime school for a few summers. So I can do like the paper box or the glass box and the rope and things like that. So there you go. Oh my gosh, that's so exciting. I'd ask for you to show us all, but you know, this is Unfortunately, audio only. It's, it's less a really difficult thing with audio medium, you know? The visual part of it is kind of lacking, but uh, <laughs> I guess if you stop me in the hallway, if you ever see me, I, I might do it for you. I don't know. Yeah, You won't be impressed. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure I will, but... <laughs> so, from this theater interest and background, what kind of drew you to medicine? That's a great question. Um, so, theater is kind of like one part of part of my persona uh, growing up. Um, I just like talking to people and expressing myself and the arts and whatnot. But like the other part of me too is I really like science and very drawn to like chemistry especially. Um, I think I, yeah, I had my first chemistry class in like high school, like 10th grade. And at the same time, um, my family's going through some medical issues. Um, my grandpa, he developed brain cancer when I was a sophomore in high school. And then he fought that for about a year and a half. And then uh, he died from it at the very end. And he was a really important person in my life and just someone I really looked up to. And um, it was kind of like his loss and also his legacy combined with like my new kind of uh, affinity for sciences that made me think maybe medicine, maybe that's a good thing. So in Mason's sophomore naive uh, brain of his, he thought medicine's good and kind of stuck with it ever since. And that's kind of were the the origin of it absolutely wow well that's definitely impactful for sure so I'm glad that you were able to explore medicine and everything um and then so how kind of what expectations did you kind of have going into medical school so kind of rewinding all the way back you you get your acceptance into medical school what sort of expectations did you have how were you feeling what was going through your head yeah that's a great question so I think to to set the stage, my I did my undergrad at Hope College in Holland, Michigan. I studied chemistry and I actually graduated in 2016. And I was taking a gap year for medical school because I was waiting for my now fiance to kind of finish up her undergrad as well because we met 
both met at the same college. Um, and I actually didn't get in for my first application, um, my first my first attempt. And so the second this is to be the second time that I was applying, and I was kind of on my toes because the first one did not go well at all, and I was just thinking, well, I really hope that something works out. And so I remember the day, I think it was like December 5th, I got a call from someone at Cincinnati saying that I was accepted. And it just felt really relieving and also very exciting um, to be able to go back and, you know, get into medical school, the thing that I wanted to do for the last, you know, six, seven years of my life at that point. And also a little terrifying as well, because this is me being kind of like two years out of hard undergraduate study and going to school with people who were probably you know very intelligent and driven uh just as intelligent and driven if not more so that than i am so i just think that was kind of uh also intimidating at the same time um once i got to medical school was uh i didn't really feel that way though i felt like mm-hmm. everyone i was with was i mean that they, they i did feel that they were all very intelligent very driven and a lot of them more so than me but at the same time, I felt like everyone was just so supportive and friendly, and I could learn so much from everyone that I talked to. I never really felt that I was beat down by, you know, not everybody anyway. And I just felt really supported. So it was a good community to be in, and it made me feel like I can do this. I can, I can do this medicine. And I think it was my first test in FOM that I, I did it, and it went well. And I thought, okay, I can do this. You know, I've at least proven to myself I can take this first little step. Um, And not all the tests went well, for sure. There were some tests that did not go well. Um, But the fact that I could make these little baby steps and just prove to myself that, like, I'm loved here and I'm learning things that I intrinsically find valuable made it worthwhile to me, at least for that, that first kind of spell into medical school. Yeah, absolutely. And then did you have any like preconceived notions or kind of expectations coming into medical school? And then how did those change if you had any? Yeah, um, I think it's, it's, it's similar to what I, what I mentioned earlier. I kind of had this expectation that medical school was going to run me into the ground and it was going to be hard. It was going to be a, a grind for sure. And I didn't really know what kind of support I was going to get from other people. Um, and I think in reality though, it was hard. It was very hard, especially like kind of transitioning into medical school, but it was doable. It was doable and doable from the the point that one, I really enjoyed learning. I really enjoyed Mm -hmm. even like the fundamental sciences I enjoyed. I mean, it just kind of got better as it went along. Like the, we'll talk about this probably when I talk about M2 as well. But like M1, I enjoyed the fundamentals of medicine. And then as we get into like the organ systems, like MSK and then BMB, and I think cardiology was, um, blood and cardio was what ultimately won me over. It just got very interesting to get like into the real medicine at that point. So I found the content very uh, interesting and um, encouraging. And at the same time, I felt just very supported by my friends and peers as well. So, yeah. Absolutely. It sounds like you had a great transition to med school. And I know here at Cincinnati, we have awesome support from all of our faculty and students. So I'm glad you had that experience as well. And then what would you say 
like, did you have a first big reality check in medical school? And if so, what, what was it and how did you overcome it? Yeah, you know, I don't think, I didn't really have like a big reality check. Not like during my first year anyway. I think that there's some challenging things that happened during maybe like my my rotations during my third year that were definitely more challenging um, and maybe like really reflect and think about what I'm doing in medicine. But I think first year was just a kind of a, a marathon of reality checks of like mini reality checks, more or less. Um, just like sometimes content would be really hard and I would think I'll never understand the kidney. This thing's impossible. This is beyond my understanding. And then you dig into it a little bit and you grind through it and you realize, you know what, the kidney's not too bad at the very end. Sometimes there's some ways that it's not, but you know, I think it's, it's just this, um, this marathon and it's a mountain too. Like you, you take every little step on this mountain and the next step can sometimes seem insurmountable, but once you get up there, you just, you feel very empowered. You feel like, Oh, this is doable. I can do this. So what would you say your best favorite memory from M1 year would be? Probably, I went to, um, so my, my fiance, who I'm with right now, Jenny, uh, she went to a different school during my first two years of medical school. She was a graduate student at the University of Michigan uh, for their School for Environment and Sustainability. So she was like an a ecology um, environmental scientist major there. And so those first couple of years were pretty challenging because we didn't get to see each other very much. But the first time that she came down to Cincinnati, uh, we went out with my friends to the Mecklenburg uh, Gardens, which is like mm -hmm. a little beer garden, uh, pretty close to the school. And I would highly recommend checking it out if you ever go there. But it was just a lot of fun, you know. It was um, getting to see, meet my friends, like Jenny getting to meet my friends and us all having a good time. Uh, she got a little martini glass, which was really cute. And I got a big beer boot which I think kind of personifies our, our, who we are in our relationships and maybe our, our preference for drinks. Um, but yeah, that was, that was probably the best memory I have in my M1. That's awesome. Um, and then, it, so overall, looking back at M1, if you could do it all over again, which from the transition into medical school all the way leading up to M2, um, would you have done anything differently? Yeah, yeah. So I think one thing I would have done differently is I would have read a book and the book is called um, Make It Stick. I forget the authors, but it's called Make It Stick. Uh, it's the psychology of adult learning, I think is the, the following phrase. But anyway, it goes into adult learning theory. And really, I read it after my third year of medical school. And it was just so insightful. Like all of the techniques that are listed in the book, it, they present evidence for, are the same ones that worked for me during my first couple of years in medical school. And there were a lot of techniques I tried during my first couple of years that did not work and were just a huge time sink. So I think if I would have read that book and just went with that from the beginning, that would have been very helpful. Uh, I think going into Anki, at least like right away would have also been helpful because I was a little late to the game. And I think that was just to have saved me some time and made things stick a little better. Um, so just overall becoming more efficient in how I would learn. And I think that comes from a lot of practice. So you're not going to be very efficient at first anyway, but that's what I would tell myself. Uh, and then with the other, the added time, I'd probably just spend more time with my friends. I, I have definitely spent more time with my friends over the years. And now like fourth year, we've been a ton of time together. 
but I think that it would have made my first and second years even more valuable and uh, memorable if I had done just even a little bit more. I know. Now I have some summer reading I have to do, apparently. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm still trying to, you know, figure that out. I was also late to the Anki game. I have reluctantly kind of dove into that because <laughs> it really does. Like you said, it helps things stick faster, I think, than some other things. It's sure. also a, a little bit of a learning curve, too, because Anki yes. <laughs> is not like the most user-friendly interface. And so I am a... <laughs> I'm very mediocre at, at Anki and making Anki cards, but you know what? It, it works. It works okay. I know. If I had all the time in the world, I always say I would code my own Anki. But yeah. <laughs> um, so moving on to M2, overall, how would you say M2 kind of compared to M1? What sort of you know things changed for you as you moved on? Yeah, you know, M2 is just overall better than M1. I think for one thing, I, I knew some learning techniques that worked better for me, like Anki, for instance, I could use. Um, M2 was a lot more, uh, I guess, practical with like organ systems instead of like the fundamentals. So like cardiology is kind of my passion right now. And um, the, the physiology that you learn for like cardiology and real medicine, GI, I, I just really loved it. So the nerd in me really uh, just had a heyday there. Um, and then also during my M2, I discovered Boards and Beyond, which is like the resource I used during my M2 and during my M3 even. And I think that was a, a big save for me. So yeah, M2 just like academically, M2 went better. And um, yeah, I just felt like I did a lot more during my M2. It did end with COVID though, which was different. <laughs> so maybe, yeah. So we can talk about COVID for a little bit. You want to talk about COVID? Yeah, let's dive in. Great. Yeah, so COVID hit. March of my M2 year, just kind of going into multi-systems. And I remember the week before COVID hit, we, my um, Jenny and I, we were at Disney World. So Disney World oh was gosh. the last place that we went like publicly before like the pandemic, which is just like, I'm glad I went. I was thinking about not going and that was, no, that was great. Um, anyway, so then COVID hit and I moved out of Cincinnati and I moved back to my parents' house here in uh, Holmes County, Ohio. And I remember just, it was so weird having like all the lectures go online at that point. Cause I was a lecture goer like in person usually. And like the testing went online too. And like, that was really weird. And anyway, but it was kind of nice to be like home and around family and just to be able to like study for the, um, for step one, especially cause like Jenny came, came to my hometown too during that time. And so like just, kind of like getting a study with her was like really nice. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a crazy end to the second year. Um, kind of made me appreciate third year a little bit more too, because at that time, like we was, I was not seeing anybody. It wasn't be able to, I wasn't seeing my friends in person or anybody else in person besides my immediate family. So like when third year clerkships came and I could actually like go to the hospital and like talk to people and talk to patients and talk to my team and, you know, like that was really neat. So I think it made me appreciate that more. Maybe, maybe have inf has influenced my decision to go into internal medicine because I like uh, the patient interaction a little bit more. Absolutely. Well, that kind of brings me to my next question. So you mentioned um, loving your cardiology block and everything, but when did you really start honing in on that specialty interest and kind of what helped push that along? That's a great question. So um, I was actually interested in like, 
a number of specialties when I came to medical school. I was thinking about orthopedic surgery for a while. I did a year of research. Uh, my summer research was in ortho at, children, at Cincinnati Children's. And I enjoyed my orthopedic research. And I enjoyed the topic of, of orthopedics. And I, I, I think orthopedic surgeons are amazing. Um, but when I went through my second year and I was learning all these different organ systems, they were kind of like these little gems that I didn't want to like forget about. I didn't want to give up. And um, I think the one that I gravitated to the most was cardiology, just because I like the hemodynamics of like cardiac physiology. I think the medications are really interesting and how they alter that. And then ultimately you get to do kind of things that surgeons do in terms of uh, doing procedures to make an immediate change in somebody's life that can be like life-saving. So I think all those things combined kind of like sparked my interest in cardiology. And I've mm -hmm. just been chasing that ever since and I'm still loving it. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm I'm jealous that you you know what you want to do. I'm definitely still all over the board, so That's fine. That, that's <laughs> fine. You know, I think a lot of people don't know what they want to do until like their third year clerkships. And um I think that you'll be surprised too, even Molly, about like yourself, about um how your interests change and why they change for into what they are. There were certain clerkships that I thought I would like a lot more than I did. And then there were certain clerkships I thought I would hate that I actually ended up loving. So it's interesting. Well, that's always fun. I feel like it's kind of exciting to kind of learn that about yourself and, you know, get to experience all the different things. So I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it for sure. For sure. Um, and I know we talked a little bit about step one and COVID, but was there, were there any other thoughts you'd like to share? Positive, ne negatives kind of things. You're one of the last classes actually that had a score for step one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, step one was an interesting time. Uh, so my mentality has always been a work hard first and then play it after that. So mm -hmm. step one is like standardized tests are kind of like the perfect storm or not storm, um, the perfect recipe for that. Mm -hmm. Um, so for step one, it was kind of nice to just have a month to study for a big test. Um, and I enjoyed kind of like going through my first two years and like relearning some of the stuff and seeing how different pieces fit together in ways I didn't think about before. So like that was mentally stimulating for me. And then all at the same time, like I said, I was I was home with my family, with my fiance. And so like that was really nice for studying for step one too. Um, kind of almost a, uh, a wellness thing in a weird way. Step one, of course, is a hard test and it's was nerve-wracking to take a test that I get a score on that's going to influence where I can go for residency and all this other stuff. That part I didn't enjoy, but I really enjoyed the after part of it where I just went up to a cabin with uh, Jenny for a couple weeks and hung out in north, northwestern Michigan. That's awesome. Well, you really have so many ties to Michigan, so it's awesome that you get to go there for the next oh, yeah. few years. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I met. Yeah, so I applied I applied and matched into internal medicine at the University of Michigan, and we'll be going there um, this June. Oh, my gosh. That's so exciting. It's it's coming up. Yeah, yeah. But, no, that'll be awesome. And, you, and you, I think you had mentioned that Jenny was at University of Michigan previously for her graduate school, so you already have some knowledge about the area, I'm sure, which is exciting Yes, too. yes. I, um, I didn't mention this, but during my first couple of years, so Jenny and I, I did mention that we were living in separate locations, but for the most part, I was visiting her in Michigan probably once a month, maybe sometimes more than that, depending on, like, what was going on, um, which was 
kind of stressful because sometimes I'd have to visit her when I had a test coming up and it's like a four hour drive up there, I guess eight hour round trip. Um, but also like really nice because I got to kind of experience Ann Arbor for, you know, those times and went to like hockey games and went to mm. restaurants and got to see some of the, the nature around that area too. And man, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah, no, it's definitely awesome up there. Um, and it was just preparing you for what you have to come. So that's so exciting. So. <laughs> so just kind of looking back at M1, M2, just kind of summarizing that all, what would you say your favorite or best course of those two years? I mean, blood and cardio. Because, like, I want to I go into cardiology and, like, I, I love cardiology. So that's that was my favorite course. And it was, like, the first course of M2. And I don't know. I, I hit the ground running and I just really enjoyed it. Um, I'm also a nerd, so I actually did, I liked renal palm, I like renal medicine, and people are going to shoot daggers at me for that, but I don't want to be a nephrologist, but I respect the kidney. <laughs> That's always important, you gotta know when to call up your, your kidney docs. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, and then what, who would you say your favorite professor over the course of those two years was? Oh, man. Probably Dr. Giffen, just because I've done so much with Dr. Giffen. He's been, I've been, I'm in the choir and I see him like, I've been seeing him like once a week for you know, the last four years. Um, so, and he's just like a cool person. I've gone out to like dinner with him before, I've gone to his house for like meals and, you know, brain mind behavior is like a long course, but he's a, he's an intellectual and I appreciate his lectures and he knows a lot about that topic. And I feel like I learned a lot there too. Um, yeah, a lot about myself. So Dr. Giffen, he gets my shout out. I know I was lucky enough to have him for my faculty alumni dinner, actually orientation week. And ever since then, I was like joking with my friends. I was like, my goal is to get as many dinners at Dr. Giffen's house as I can Whoa. because they're always so great. <laughs> you got to go to Dr. Giffen's house for your orientation dinner? Man. I did. I know. Really and then good. I also, being in choir, got to go for that. So yeah. I've really, I've really lucked out. <laughs> We'll make a quick plug for the UC students out there, but if you do join the choir or at least entertain joining the choir, Dr. Giffen will invite you to his house and he will treat you to the most delicious meal, that one of the most delicious meals you've ever had. Yes, and if you have any dietary restrictions, he's always great about that too because we got to plug the gluten-free crowd out there as well. There we go. So yes, but like moving on to M3, that's obviously a huge change. You're done with step one. You're starting rotations. So I guess starting out, how did you decide what order you wanted to do your rotations in? That's a great question. So I was initially interested in, uh, I mentioned orthopedics, but specifically I was interested in like pediatric orthopedics. Um, so my first rotation, I wanted just to do peds just to see if that was something that worked for me or didn't. And then my second rotation was surgery, partly because I wanted to see, is surgery good for me? But I also no pediatrics and surgery are kind of like some of the bigger blocks to do and I just like I said I may work hard and then relax a little bit so I wanted to kind of take some of the tougher blocks and put them right away um so I kind of did that and then um I knew I knew internal medicine was like a big topic and uh, tested pretty hard and step two as well um, so I actually put internal medicine right after Christmas break. That way I would have some of like Christmas to relax and then like maybe a week to kind of get my head wrapped around some of the IM topics. And then um, spaced learning is kind of like one of the adult learning theories things. So like having internal medicine in like January slash February and then coming back to it again in like April for learning for step two would I think 
benefited me in like retaining some of that. So maybe that was a little long-winded, but basically I wanted to get some of the hard stuff done right away. I wanted to explore some of my interests right away to see if it worked for me or not. And I wanted to put IM um, after Jan, like right in the middle, just so I would have some like repetition with that course. And I didn't want to put it at the very end because I wanted to take something light like psychiatry at the very end, just so I had some more time to like get ready for step two and things like that. And unbeknownst to me, I fell in love with I am during that. So here I am. <laughs> yes. So I guess that kind of does lead me to that next question. So which rotation kind of stood out to you to the most? Maybe it helped you choose or not choose that specialty or a great mentor or a specific interaction with a patient, you know, just any of those. Actually, I enjoyed all of my rotations for different reasons, mm -hmm. um, whether that was pediatrics or surgery or IM or even psychiatry. Um, I think they all had something to offer, but I guess the two that I would highlight are um, surgery taught me that I, one, I enjoy having a little bit more time with my patients and like talking with them in like a clinical setting. And two, I really like procedures and being able to like make immediate changes. I think surgery also kind of like made me a little bit better at working in the hospital because it was like my second rotation and you, I had to like be really uh, improve my time management when I was on surgery. So that, that was one thing that was like really important for me. Also, I, I, I learned during that time that I didn't want to do surgery because I don't think the lifestyle was something that I could just stick with. And then the other one that was really important for me was internal medicine um, because I just found that I really loved uh, thinking about, you know, I really love generating a broad differential diagnosis for any patient that came to the hospital. I really loved working in the hospital and just being able to think about all the physiology and pharmacology and all the different organ systems I learned about during my first two years was um, it's just so gratifying to do for everyone that I saw. And then just being able to like talk to people about their problems and explaining things and um, teaching a little bit as well was something really cool. So surgery and I am, they were cool. And you kind of already touched on this a little bit, but obviously there's a lot expected of you during M3 with the rotations and the shelf exams and everything. So how were you able to manage your time and kind of what did you find that worked for you? So one thing that I would recommend for everyone going into their third year or medical school in general is to like always find some, find two things, find one thing that you can do for your maybe physical wellness, because I think that physical wellness and mental wellness are very well linked. So for me, I would run or exercise like every day, some days less, right? So like when I was uh, going to surgery at like 6am, I would cut my runs in half or exercise like every other day, basically, things like that. Um, and then the other, but I, I still found that like, being able to like stick to that helped me feel physically better and then also mentally and emotionally better. And the other thing is to always just like guarantee that you get a treat, whether that's like a 20 minute show that you watch in the evening or um, you're gonna have ice cream with your uh, friends or something later that day. You know, I think having something to look forward to is like really important. Um, so like those are like the two big things that I would recommend for like any rotation. And then as for like being, doing well on rotations and getting the most out of it, I think trying to identify something that you value that you really want to learn from that rotation, even if you're not interested in obstetric and gynecology, even if you're not interested in pediatrics or surgery or IM, find something, some niche little thing in those respective fields that you're 
that you think that could help you in the very long run, whether that's learning how um, the problems that pregnant patients face or learning how to dress a wound on, on your surgery rotation. Um, I think that that can be very valuable. And then just try to be like an optimist, you know? It, I think it's it's hard. Things are harder on your rotations when you kind of view them through a negative lens. But I think that the more positive you can you think and the more positive of an attitude you bring, the the more the better interactions you'll have with people. And I think that helps you get a little bit more from rotations as well. And that kind of links back to the whole mental wellness and physical wellness that I talked about from the beginning. Because I think that when you're mentally and physically well, it's easier to have a more positive outlook. That's definitely some great advice. I will have to be writing it down for when I go into M3. Um, and then what would you say? I know you kind of mentioned, alluded to this earlier, but you had some tough parts of your rotations and things. So what would you say your biggest challenge was um, in M3 and rotations? Oh, man. Probably my trauma surgery rotation. So I I mentioned surgery was my second rotation, and I actually started off on trauma. It was my first two weeks of like really intensive inpatient surgery stuff, and man, the hours were really long. Like I would be working from you know most days six a.m. till like six p.m. maybe later. Um, I did a couple. Tw uh, quote-unquote 24-hour like trauma shifts that ended up being a little bit longer than that too sometimes and yeah it was just very challenging and the patients that came in were you know cr in critical condition like you got to do something now or other otherwise this person in front of you is going to die and it didn't always like thank god it did not fall to the medical student to use to make those life or death decisions but even as a medical student i had to learn like how can i be the most helpful for the people who are delivering this care and so it really kept me on my toes. And it was just like a really hard rotation to be on. And um, I think that a lot of the trauma surgeons were also like very overworked at the same time, which made it hard to like for them to find time to teach me or to find like the energy to do that, which like I totally understand. And so I kind of felt like I was doing this dance of figuring out like, well, where's the best place for me to be? How can I be helpful? How can I learn? Um, and so that was really, really tough. But I think in the end, that helped me be a little bit better of a third-year medical student because it made me a little bit uh, take the initiative more. Uh, if, honestly, it kind of forced me to take the initiative more. It made me more comfortable doing that too, which is something that you have to kind of learn to manage when you're a third-year. But uh, trauma surgery was cool, though. I mean, I would, I, would, um, I would not recommend it, but I also would not advise against it for those interested in this, in, um, in surgery or in trauma surgery. It was definitely an insightful experience and I wouldn't have changed it if I could go back. So looking back on all of M3, all the rotations that you did, what would you say some of or one of the most touching moments you had would be? Yeah, that's a good question. So one of the most touching moments I had was actually on my obstetrics and gynecology rotation, which actually it was probably the rotation I was least looking forward to. I didn't think I would really enjoy it, and I had a hard time. I actually ended up really liking it. I actually I, I kind of loved uh, obstetrics and gynecology, and um, there was one one patient that we had, one of the first pregnant mothers on the OB service that I was uh, helping. Um, after she gave birth to her little daughter 
she gave us a like a little candy basket of like goodies in it and then also gave me a picture of like her daughter's first ultrasound as well which I still have to this day and I don't know it's just like really touching to have like somebody invest that in you and just like see this kind of beautiful thing develop while you're in like this otherwise really busy hospital service and wanting from one patient to the other. It gave some more humanity to the people that you serve in medicine, and I really appreciated that. I'm glad you had that experience. Um, so then taking that, moving on to M4, can you tell me a little bit about how maybe your mindset shifted as you moved from M3 to M4? Yeah, so going from M3 to M4, I was really nervous because, I don't know, I always looked up for the m4s when i was on my third year clerkships and i always thought wow they know so much and they're so confident in what they do and man how am i ever going to be be that so going to like my my ai my first ai in internal medicine which was really early on um it was like in june or july i didn't know like am i going to be able to step into these big shoes and like how am i any different now in june as compared to i was in january in internal medicine so I think there's a lot of nerves that went into it um but I don't know if it was just being more comfortable in these clinical environments if I knew more than I thought I knew or if I just felt very affirmed by the interns that I worked with and everyone else too but I don't know M4 just kind of sweeps you up and like puts you at M4 and then once you have that kind of confidence you really go through it and you do a lot of good it's it's nice it's nice you feel like you, you, you kind of know what you're doing. You definitely don't know everything that you're doing, but you kind of know what you're doing. I mean, that's all you can ask of an M4, I feel like, is kind of knowing what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, and so kind of what led you to that confidence and everything, what advice would you give yourself now looking back on M4, kind of um, going into that? What advice would you have? Yeah, so I guess one thing is you're never going to know everything. You're certainly not going to know everything. Um, and it's, that's very normal. It's very, very normal. Uh, really drawing on the people around you is something that is valuable. Um, I think one thing that uh, an intern told me that I keep to heart is to try to learn something from everyone that you work with. Like every like attending or your senior resident, try to learn like just one thing, whether that is a clinical pearl that you just want to put away in your back pocket or something that they do that you don't want to do. Try to learn something from them. Um, that's something that really stuck with me and I've, I've been trying to do on every rotation since. So yeah, you don't know everything. Try to learn something from everyone that you work with and it's okay to make mistakes. People make mistakes and just being kind of like upfront about that and being honest and clear with it is most important because you have to remind yourself that the people that what matters now in M4 is that you're caring for patients. Like you're providing probably the most direct patient care that you're going to provide in medical school. And um, really putting that as the number one thing on your list before anything else, I think makes it more valuable and it makes the, you learn a little bit more and overall just makes um, the experience a better experience, especially when you're with your team. Absolutely. So, Transitioning a little bit from that, what electives did you take in your M4 year? <laughs> so I took a couple electives just to give myself a little bit of like extra time when I was interviewing. Um, so I did the online fundamentals of ophthalmology, um, 
that was mostly to get free up my time during like this December, November uh, months. But also it was kind of cool. I learned a lot more about like ophthalmologic disorders than I did before. Um, and I think that's all, like ophthalmology and dermatology are probably like the two organ systems that I'm the worst at. So like having at least one of those kind of tuned up a little bit was nice. Um, and then the other, another big elective that I did was the clinical teaching elective. So I, this is a longitudinal elective that you, I applied for during my third year and I was accepted to. And what I, what you do for the clinical teaching elective is you act as a preceptor for the clinical skill sessions for the M1s and M2s. Um, and so I went to eight different sessions and, um, this basically acted like a preceptor. I would watch them in their patient interactions and then I would write notes about what went on and then I would debrief with them for like 30 minutes afterwards. And it was so cool to kind of learn about like medical education and techniques and medical education pedagogy and research. And honestly, it's kind of like solidified my decision to go into like academic medicine for sure. Um, Cause I just love teaching medical students and learning from other people that I teach too, because I think that's, that's the other wonderful thing about precepting and teaching is that oftentimes you pick up things that you never even thought of from the people that you're teaching. And it's just this wonderful kind of mentorship interaction. So yeah, high, high, high remarks or high marks for both online fundamentals of ophthalmology and also the clinical teaching elective. So we got to talk a little bit about your interests, you know, going into internal medicine and then potentially cardiology, but this is kind of the first time you really talked about the academic medicine piece. So where do you kind of envision your career going after residency and things? Yeah, so um, right now I am very set on cardiology. So being a cardiologist would be great. I like academics and teaching, at least in like clinical settings. So being at an academic hospital would be awesome and maybe doing like some clinical research along with that as well. And I think that that's kind of like the trifecta, like the perfect thing that people would go for. And maybe it's like too perfect and unachievable in some cases. Um, but I hope to find the kind of the right balance of those, those three things of cardiology, like clinical work in cardiology, along with teaching and also a little bit of research thrown in there too, to like make my life feel the most fulfilled. Um, yeah. And so, I'm really excited to go to the University of Michigan. I think it's a great program. I uh, think that it's strong in all, all three of those things I mentioned. And hopefully I'll learn a lot about myself and a lot about medicine and uh, just, you know, make myself better and make the people around me better and in this wonderful symbiotic relationship that we have. Well, we've kind of been skirting around this idea of match. I know we've talked about where you're ending up and everything, but can you kind of talk to me about that whole process um and then you know finally matching yeah matching was crazy um just i just remember like submitting my my eras and then waiting for like you know i think it was about a week a week or so maybe uh, almost a week before i got like my first interview invite I remember before I got my first interview invite, I was just like, oh man, am I going to get any? I hope so. <laughs> and after that, I was like, okay, at least I got one. I got one. We have a chance. Um, but no, it was, it was pretty, it was pretty cool. Um, just like going to these different or interviewing at these different places, um, getting to see a lot of people and like hear a lot about of 
like the different programs in the country and like what they had to offer. Uh, I think it gave me some insights into myself as well because there was a lot of reflection that went along with like interviewing and writing your personal statement and coming up with questions to ask and answering questions that you never like posed to yourself before. So like that was really cool. And then um, it was nice to do things virtually because I could be home with my partner and have some time with my dog too. And, you know, I think for wellness, that was really good. Uh, made it really hard to figure out what the like the climate was in these different places and like how the, the social interactions between like faculty and residents really went and like how well did I really fit. So like that was definitely challenging. Um, I had been to Michigan before and like I know some of the, the current uh, interns there. And so that was nice um, and kind of reassuring for me to have that kind of insider look into it. So I felt very confident about like the culture at the University of Michigan. Um, so yeah. Absolutely. Well, can you tell me a little bit about like your thoughts going into match day and kind of how it felt to finally open that letter and see where you were ending up? Man, like one of the most tense experiences of my life. It just, um, I was sitting next to my partner and Jenny and we had the letter in front of us and oh i i was just happy i mean i was happy i had a letter i was happy i had a letter and i didn't know what was going to be inside of that i honestly was prepared for anything that i put on my rank list i was just like prepared to take it and be happy and go there um so yeah very intense and then super relieving when i opened it because like the university of michigan is great for both me and for my partner because she has jobs up there and we have family up there and you know, like that was great. So it was just like this incredible experience. It was just like incredible tension holding that letter and then fortunate relief after like opening it too. Um, yeah, which I know like I'll, not everyone can say. And um, I feel like incredibly fortunate and blessed to have that opportunity to, to do what I'm doing. And um, I think that if you're somebody that goes to match day and you get a letter and you open it and it's not what you want, or um, if you don't get a letter at all, uh, you know, like, that's okay. That's okay, too. This is a whole process of learning about yourself and learning about what your interests really are and what, um, where you can make the most impact in the world, too. So just like, yeah. But no, match day was great. Match day was great. It was wonderful to hang out with my friends and my family and just all of us go out together afterwards. Well, congratulations. I'm glad that... Things turned out the way they did for you. I'm really excited to see kind of what what Michigan brings you, what you bring Michigan. It's all very exciting. So I guess now reflecting on kind of all four years, um, do you have any additional memories you'd like to share? Man, like medical school is just, I mean, it was great. It was great. Um, I don't know if I would do it all again. I tell myself I would, but, you know, okay show me you know I, and I don't, I don't have to on a kit so I, I won't do that but no a lot of good memories I had with like faculty and with friends and um I don't know just like I'm a kind of a goofy guy so I like to sprinkle a little bit of goof everywhere so it's really cool to like reflect on everything and um yeah it feels like I know it was only four years that went by but it feels like 10 in a somewhat of a good way, maybe somewhat of a bad way, but mostly good. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure. Well, we got to talk a lot about um, academics and kind of stuff within school, and I know you've mentioned Jenny quite a few times. 
Um, do you have any big plans coming up in the next few weeks? Yeah, so Jenny and I are getting married. We get married on May 14th, 2022, and we're really excited. It's going to be a little, just like a, a small wedding in like the northwestern Michigan. It's at like on a, the ceremony's on a lake, and then the reception's in a barn, so should be really fun. And then we go to Hawaii for like 10 days afterwards, so really excited for that. And then we just chill before residency starts. Oh my gosh, that's so exciting. Congratulations. Yeah, we're so excited. This has been a long time. Jenny and I have been together for like seven years. So to finally get married is just like good. Yes, no, that'll be that'll be so amazing. And Northern Michigan's so pretty. Yeah, it's so pretty. Yes, an awesome ceremony and everything. And of course, Hawaii will be great. Yeah. A much needed, you know, relaxation before you kind of jump into those tasks of residency. Yes, <laughs> for sure. All right, one final main question i guess so i'd love to hear a message to mason from mason but 10 years from now uh i would tell myself that stay determined keep doing what you're doing some things might seem unachievable but you'll you're going to do better than what you think you can and even when you fail that is a wonderful opportunity to learn and pick yourself up and go on from there that's probably what i would tell myself that's awesome. I, I hope to have that much, um, I guess, foresight and <laughs> confidence and, you know, sentiments going into residency as well. So I'm sure, I don't know, you'll have to listen to this, I guess, 10 years from now and see, hold yourself to it for sure. <laughs> so, right. Oh, man. <laughs> 10 years from now, I know. Isn't that crazy? Um, and then do you have any final, you know, words of wisdom or reflections you'd like to share with the audience today? Yeah, so some words of wisdom I would offer are one... Try to stay positive, even like when you when it's hard. Uh, I, it's easy for me to say because I'm a bit of an optimist, but I, I really think that just like helps and making being intentional about that can be can be helpful too. Um, I think to try to find a little bit of joy every in everyday life. Um, I think like you know just saying talking to your friends or talking to your family or your partner and saying something in a goofy way every now and then is just like kind of breaks the ice and helps the helps your spirit uh lift a little bit um yeah that's what i would say optimism and don't be afraid to act, add a little goof to your life goof is always good i goof is good. <laughs> i can definitely echo that sentiment for sure well thank you so much mason um this has been lovely it's been great listening to all of the previous episodes that you've recorded and all your insights and words of wisdom and everything. And I know you're going to do some great things up at University of Michigan. You're going to love your time in Ann Arbor and married life. Um, that'll be all super exciting things on your horizon. Yeah. And I think you're going to do amazing things with patients. So yeah. thank you for your time today. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. It's been such a pleasure. Oh my gosh. I have loved being on this podcast. I have loved just, you know, I mentioned that I was like a kind of a theater, theater guy especially in high school and college. And this has just been like such a wonderful out, output or outlet for me to kind of re-experience that in a audio medium. And man, I just really appreciate it. I appreciate everyone that takes any minute of their, of their day to listen to me and uh, hopefully help some, some, some of you out there. And for those that it doesn't help, um, you know, I'm on Twitter um, and you can find me. I will probably put that in the show notes too. And you can just chew me out there. So, but anyway, 
for all of you, thank you. Thank you very much. It's been such an honor and a pleasure to be part of this podcast.